2: Out of the gates with our number two. Thankful you're with us across the Outkick Network. However you're listening or viewing the show this afternoon, we say hello to you from 6th and Peabody, downtown Nashville, with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. The crew is all here, along with John McClain of the Houston Chronicle, TexasSportsNation.com. You can follow him on Twitter at McClain underscore on underscore NFL. And we've got Sean Payton at the podium. We're going to be... Doing this in real time with John as uh, we get in uh, into the mode of reacting to what Sean Payton has to say as he steps aside in New Orleans, taking time off, what some are already calling a mini-retirement. But nonetheless, he's out with the New Orleans Saints, and it seems as though Dennis Allen will step in. He's the defensive coordinator there, although they haven't made that official just yet. Um, however, I will say Dennis Allen is at the Sean Payton press conference that should indicate something there. John, how are you?
3: I'm doing great, guys. How are you?
2: Doing very well. What do you make of the news? There had been rumors that Peyton could step aside or that a team would be interested in trading for him. That that popped up in December. Uh, we know the TV networks are swarming him with offers. What do you make of Peyton stepping down in New Orleans right now?
3: Well, he makes at least $10 million a year, considering he's been on the job since 2006 and he's won a super bowl and he may have done his best coaching job this season he had to play four quarterbacks because of injuries they had a lot of injuries a lot of teams did but i don't know others that started four and still finished with a winning record like the saints did now speculation immediately jerry jones wants to hire him in dallas he came from the cowboys worked for bill Parcells. jerry jones tried to get him once before and uh when he comes back, you know, he might come back in a year, maybe he's burnt out and he fully intends to come back to the Saints. But I'll guarantee you old Jair is gonna check with him to see if he's interested, whether it's this year, next year, or the year after.
1: So what I think is gonna go down is an all time great NFL game uh that we witnessed live on Sunday night peaked at fifty one million viewers. Uh, on CBS with Chiefs and Bills at the very end of that game. But, John, something that jumped out to me, this from Michael Mulvihill with Fox Sports. With 36.9 million viewers, Saturday night's 49ers-Packers game on Fox is TV's, TV's most-watched Saturday night show in 28 years. The previous one dates back to 1994, Lillehammer Olympics, Nancy Kerrigan skating for silver after the Tanya Harding yeah. Nancy Kerrigan deal. That was the last time Saturday night on TV saw ratings like Packers, 49ers. John, it's safe to say the NFL's never been more popular.
3: Absolutely. Chad Lack and the other professional sports leagues are so envious. Remember a few years ago when the moving concussion came out and Mark Cuban, the Cowboy, the uh, Mavericks owner, was talking about the demise of the NFL. Uh, I don't think so. And I it doesn't surprise me at all. We saw that thing uh, at the end of the season, top, was it 70 or 80 of the top shows on the networks last year were all uh, NFL. And there's a reason those franchises go for billions. and They're talking about the Broncos being sold for $4 billion. And it's almost like, there's no limit to what billionaires will pay to get involved in a league that draws those kind of ratings, which is one reason they got $10.7 billion on the last network TV contract, and each owner gets $300 million a year average under the new TV deal. So it is a cash cow. And, in fact, they were great games settled on the last play. We've never had a weekend like it. We may never have another weekend like it.
2: John, it's your favorite Football weekend of the year, the divisional round, and I was I was about to bring this up. You've never seen uh, a round quite like this covering the league.
3: I go back when I was a kid in 1960. I was eight years old. Cowboys were born. The Oilers were born. I grew up in Waco, 90 miles south of Dallas, 180 miles from Houston, and I was fascinated by both leagues, and I've been a fan ever since. And I guarantee you there's never been any weekend like the one we just witnessed in which every game was settled at the end. And that Buffalo, Kansas City game, there have been a lot of great games in NFL playoffs, and I've seen a lot of them, but none like the last two minutes, that's what set it apart. You know, they always say defense wins championships. No. Quarterbacks like Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen win championships.
0: If Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson are are able to uh decide they want to be traded. And and uh, we know Aaron Rodgers can can get traded if he wants to. Russell Wilson, we don't know what happens there. Where's the ideal landing spot for for a quarterback looking to be traded right now, a high-caliber quarterback?
3: Well, first of all, I believe Aaron Rodgers will be right back in Green Bay Me with too. a new contract. And I think Russell Wilson's not going anywhere with two or three years left on his contract. But if they wanted to go – obviously Aaron Rodgers wants to go where they have a chance to win a Super Bowl. Now, where could he go better in green Bay he can't three consecutive 13 and three records. And he's one of the reasons they haven't won it. You know, he's great in regular season, but he's struggled in the playoffs and he hasn't been anywhere near as great. So if you're a team, say Denver, Carolina, Miami, I don't think, the, the, the really bad teams like the Texans and the Giants, they wouldn't want to go there. But I think Denver, because it had a really good defense, and I hope their new coach doesn't come in and want to play a 4-3 after Vic Fangio had everything put together so well. The Broncos have a running game. They have a defense, great fan base, great everything to attract more free agents. So I would think it would beat the Broncos.
0: Two games a year against Mahomes, too, was the one- Big downside there.
1: Well, and going back to Mahomes and that that Chiefs Bills game, John, I made a mental note to ask you about this watching that game because immediately our minds start going to okay, where does this rank? It's obviously one of the all-time classics, but where does it stack up against other games? And it got me thinking about moment versus complete game. So much of NFL history comes down to a single play when you think about the game. The Tyree helmet catch, the catch with Dwight Clark, uh, the Immaculate Reception. The Music City Miracle. These are one-play moments that are huge, but if you go back and watch the entire game, probably would never even stack up to what we saw with Bills Chiefs, but Bills Chiefs doesn't have that one singular moment. There are two big plays with 13 seconds left to get them in position for the game-tying field goal, but it doesn't have that crazy one-off play that is synonymous with so many great playoff moments. So when you stack up that game versus these other moment-type games, what do you think of with Chiefs-Bills?
3: Last two minutes. And the last two minutes of overtime is the greatest period I've ever seen with the quarterbacks playing incredibly. Some bad coaching on both sides, bad coaching decisions in which the coaches are not getting ripped as much as they should. And the one play that really stands out to me was the Tyreek Hill route coming across the middle where he, Turned the corner and scored, and he should have been penalized for taunting. Everybody in the watching saw it, and that's a penalty. But they didn't call it either; they were blind or they just ignored it. But that play seemed to ignite everything. And then, and then when the when the Bills came back down the field, and Allen threw that last touchdown pass with 13 seconds left to Gabriel, I was just blown away. I thought it was over, like everybody else, and I'm sitting there thinking now. They need to kick that ball down the field, make it bounce around a little, make them catch it and run and use some time off and have one play, but they didn't do it and it backfired. And we may never, ever see an end like we just saw in that game, no matter how long we're able to watch football. And it's tribute, not just to Mahomes and Allen, but their teammates for them to put on a show like that. And now we want to see them duplicate it in the championship games and traditionally, That doesn't
1: happen. John, AFC, when you look now with Mahomes and and Allen, uh, it's easy to envision this being another Brady-Manning where they're going to meet in a lot of playoff games, a lot of AFC championship games. Where would Deshaun Watson rank in the AFC without any problems around him? I'm thinking about he's now the forgotten man because he was elite, and then all of this happens, and there's no telling what's going to happen with his future, but is he... In the same ballpark as those two guys, if he's healthy and no issues around him?
3: Two years ago, just two years ago, Watson made great plays to beat the Bills and Josh Allen in overtime. Allen did not play well in the second half, and the Texans won. Then they went to Arrowhead Stadium, built up a 24-0 lead. Then they choked it, and they've been straight down the toilet ever since. While Allen has gone forward, Mahomes won his first Super Bowl, so Deshaun Watson, if there had been no issues here, because he was great. You guys know Titans barely beat him two times uh, in 2020, and he was fantastic there. So I think Mahomes is in a class by himself, and Watson had been right behind him with Josh Allen. And if Bill O'Brien had torn down that team with some bad trades and then they got, got fired, you know, maybe they'd have won the division over the Titans. And they could have been putting on a show like that with Watson because he is a fantastic quarterback. That's one reason the Texans would like to trade him to the NFC.
2: What are you thinking if you're the rest of the AFC? I I said yesterday, John, I'm thinking if I'm another team, you know what? I think we can build a team that can get through either the Chiefs or the Bills, but there's no way you're going through both of them on your way to the Super Bowl. You can't play both of them and expect to make it.
3: Well, I'll point out when Brady and Manning were in AFC and playing great, Steelers won two Super Bowls, so it can be done, but you've got to have an entire team and you gotta have a good coaching staff. And then, of course, you gotta have a lot of luck with injuries and now with COVID nineteen. But other teams are under a lot of pressure. The one that I think could come the closest, soon assuming Brandon Staley after one season becomes a great coach, and he may not. Because of Justin Herbert, maybe it's the Chargers. Watching the Chargers and the Chiefs go at it twice a year with those two quarterbacks is going to be so much fun for the fans of those teams and fans from the AFC West. And now the Bills and Josh Allen have pulled way ahead of anybody in the AFC East. Had Miami, had Miami gotten to Sean Watson instead of finishing 8-8, eight and eight, they might have won a couple of more games. And... uh Maybe they would have been uh, in the divisional round themselves, but one thing this points out is you've got to have a quarterback.
2: How about this, John? Speaking of quarterbacks, this is the first year since two thousand six that the conference championships have not featured either Brady, Manning, Roethlisberger, or Rogers. <laughs> Nuts!
3: And you know, you know what? Those guys are all great quarterbacks. I wouldn't put Roethlisberger among the greatest of all time, but the others are obviously, but man, they're leaving the game in good hands. When you think about young guys like Mahomes and Allen and Herbert and, uh, uh, you know, I guess they still play in the NFC and, uh, Deshaun Watson, uh, when he plays hopefully next season, they've turned it over to a lot of younger guns who, who, when they get that age, don't tell them what they would have been able to accomplish. As
0: the state of Tennessee collectively gives up on Ryan Tannehill, I'm anxious to ask John McClain, longtime NFL guru from the Nashville Chronicle, what he thinks. That's one of the things we'll get to next with him, Hut, Houston Chronicle.
1: Not the Nashville Chronicle.
0: Did I call it the Nashville Chronicle? The, Na- the
1: Nashville Chronicle. Look uh, at my
0: wishful thinking. John,
1: John is, uh, you know, look, he's uh, he's popular enough to probably start a Nashville Chronicle. He is. He's very popular in Nashville. He could do it, but he's not done that yet, Paul.
0: Yeah, I, I just created a newspaper.
2: Many are chronicling the press conference with Sean Payton where he's uh, he's admitted, you know what, I, I think I'd be pretty good at that. And that is TV. TV. Network TV. He's discussing that at the press conference right now. We'll continue to recap what's going on there in New Orleans, plus get back into the NFL headlines with John McClay next on Outkick 360. Sean Payton uh, at the podium in New Orleans stood up with the reporters and said, I'm not leaving until you guys are done asking questions. And he's now in the middle of telling some stories from year number one with the Saints. He's out. He's stepping aside as Saints head coach. Welcome back to OutKick 360 across the OutKick Network. John McClain is with us. John, he he just finished telling a story about in 2006 when he got the Saints job, he had interviewed with the Packers. And he says he remembers throwing and breaking his flip phone whenever he learned that the Packers were deciding to go with Mike McCarthy instead of Sean Payton as the next head coach of the Green Bay Packers. And now the rumors will swirl over the next 12 months. About Dallas's interest in Sean Payton, who will be available, although I'm assuming the Saints will retain his rights in the contract, and they'll have to make some type of agreement with the Saints to to acquire him if they if they so choose. I, I ask you, do you think Dallas is the front runner as we sit here now that a year from now they're interested in Payton, who has told the media today while he's stepping aside, he does see himself getting back into coaching soon. It
3: cost uh, the Buccaneers. Two ones and two twos to get John Gruden. You have to pay dearly for a coach. Now, Sean Payton and Jerry Jones are friends, so maybe he wouldn't really stick it to them. But I'll guarantee you, you want Sean Payton, it's going to cost you number one plus something else. And I'll say this, he won a Super Bowl for the Saints. McCarthy won one for the Packers. And Sean Payton's been a whole lot warmer since he got that job in 2006 than McCarthy was with the Packers.
0: Can you hire Dennis Allen and say, Hey, if if Sean comes out of retirement next year, he'd be our first choice. (laughs) And, uh, and we'd shift you back to
3: defensive coordinator. I think that he would probably think that that is an audition for him to get a second chance as a head coach. I mean, that would be a third chance, but it'd be a great chance for him to show people, you know, I'm not the guy that got fired by the Raiders. And was it the Raiders where he was? Mm -hmm. I think it was. And uh, it's it's amazing. I'll tell you something. I'm blown away. Dan Quinn, everybody seems to want Dan Quinn. And I think, didn't he have like two or three losing seasons in a row that caused him to get fired yep. by the Falcons? It's amazing the way that works. But whenever Peyton wants to come back, if he doesn't have a good deal with his buddy Jerry Jones, he'll have a deal with somebody else because everybody would want Sean Peyton.
0: So the Titans fell flat on their faces here, John. Uh, Defensive effort was extraordinary with nine sacks. Uh, It would seem impossible to lose a game under such circumstances, yet Ryan Tannehill found a way uh, with three horrific interceptions. Uh, We're going to talk about this later, but rarely uh, is the Nashville media united on, on something But it's pretty unanimous here, not just with fans, but with media, that Ryan Tannehill's found his ceiling. And his ceiling is as a regular season quarterback that that he just can't crank it up and carry a team in the playoffs when it's necessary. And people can stop the run game uh, or or Derrick Henry in the playoffs they have the last two years. What would you take from what you saw from him?
3: I hate to see such a wasted defensive performance. And once again, I'm thinking about the nincompoops that vote on the Pro Bowl, uh, the players, the coaches, and the fans, how they could leave off Jeffrey Simmons, who may be the best defensive tackle in the league behind Eric behind Aaron Donald because he was phenomenal, as you guys have seen him since he got into the league. I know the Texans just rave about the guy, but I was surprised Joe Burrow got away with his head intact the way he was getting treated. But those bad decisions by a veteran quarterback like Tannehill you cannot have those in a game like of that magnitude especially when the running game's not working the way you want it to it was obvious that Derrick Henry had been out for a long time and maybe Dante Foreman should have gotten more carries but the bottom line Tannehill doesn't throw those interceptions they're winning the game
1: John what do you do now if you're the Titans I mean you're locked into Tannehill Highly unlikely you could trade him somewhere else. Um, offensive line looks like it may be revamped, but do you just come back, you run it back, and you hope for another division title and just roll the dice again in the playoffs that somehow, miraculously, Ryan Tannehill doesn't lose the game for you? How do you go about this now if you're John Robinson, Mike Vrabel, and the Titans?
3: This would be a year to take a quarterback uh, because they don't have a high first-round pick. and There's a lot of prospects they're going to go in the bottom half of the first round or even the second round. But if, considering Tannehill's age, it's probably, probably good idea it. Did get somebody to develop. And, uh, there's some good prospects out there where the Titans are going to pick. And it wouldn't surprise me if they don't take one.
0: Well, their second round, there's named Julio Jones. So if they take a quarterback at 26th, they're not, uh, they're not making another pick until 90 something. So, uh, It's going to be interesting.
3: Don't you think guys think that you need to have somebody that fans can look at and the team too can look at and say, okay, this guy is the heir apparent. If he develops the way they think he can develop, especially if they take him at the bottom of the first round, you know, what if Matt Corral were there uh, or Malik Willis is, or one of the others that are supposed to be in the bottom half of the first round where there could be a run on them. I think people would get pretty fired up about that. But next season, you guys be talking all the time about play the rookie.
1: People here would want him opening day. Well, the Titans have no problem with first and second rounders not playing right away. So that shouldn't be an issue. But draft in the 90s, get your quarterback in the future with round one. I mean, they've shown that they don't care about immediate results with a first or second round pick. So go right ahead.
2: John, Sean Payton has confirmed that they did call Drew Brees to try to get him to come play at the very end of the season. Um, and he he turned around and said, and by the way, with the way our roster looked against Miami, I'm glad he didn't because we'd have lost anyway and it wouldn't have looked good. Um, but they, they did try to get Breeze to come play for them. And to your point, it is crazy to think that they won nine games with four different starters this year, including Ian and remember, Book.
3: And remember that first game, how they blew out the Packers in Jacksonville, they had to go there because they couldn't play yeah. at home. And remember when they picked a the site they thought it would be hardest for Packer fans to get to, and they looked then like they were going to the Super Bowl, but this was the best job of his coaching career. He has done a tremendous job. And they you know, they don't get a lot of attention in New Orleans. Coaching staff doesn't, Peyton does, but unless they're involved in some kind of controversy like Bounty Yates, you just don't hear a lot about him. That's why he deserves coach of the year votes. He's not going to win it. I still think Mike is going to win it, remember, because it was regular season vote. But Sean Payton, nobody talked about him. But going 9-8 and eight with that outfit was a tremendous coaching job.
2: Just to set up a storyline here, just to file away, by, the, by Sean Payton stepping down, I wonder if by draft time we're discussing the Saints as a team that – Teams are calling, trying to get veterans in exchange for picks. And the Saints go into what would be a retooling or rebuild mode because they're up against against the salary cap. Michael Thomas wants out. Alvin Kamara just signed a big deal, but I wonder if teams would be wanting to deal for him. Those would be the veterans that would get them below the cap. And again, they have the worst situation uh, to only Green Bay, I believe, going into the offseason as it stands right now.
3: Well, if you're a shrewd on your salary cap, you can make it work. That's almost kind of like an excuse if you have a quarterback. They have got to get the quarterback. Do they believe in Jameis Winston going back as their guy going in next season? I have no idea. He started fast, then he slowed a little bit, then he rebounded, then he was done for the year. I have no idea what they think. It was Sean Payton. They're not calling the shots, and he had final say on all personnel decision, as many head coaches do. So all of a sudden, is Dennis Allen going to get the final say? Is it going to go to the GM, Mickey Loomis, who's not a personnel guy? That's what I'm interested in. How are they going to operate behind the scenes when it comes to personnel decisions, considering Peyton has been calling the shots for years?
2: John, your thoughts on Joe Burrow getting the Cincinnati Bengals, not just their first playoff win, but now to the AFC Championship game.
3: First of all, I'm an idiot. When I was talking about young quarterbacks a while ago, and I said Mahomes and Allen and Herbert, we're talking about John Watson. We left out Joe Burrow and and Lamar Jackson. You compare those six to the best young quarterbacks in the NFC. Would that be Kyler Murray and Jalen Hurts? And so it is lopsided, and and Texans fans are just going crazy because in Cincinnati awful for so long and all of a sudden they so bad to get the first pick boom Joe Burrow drops into their lap and he is outstanding I thought there was no way Bengals were gonna win that game the way he was getting beaten up I kept thinking the Titans are gonna win it and he is one confident guy he inspires the players around him they've got an underrated defense they got a balanced offense. I don't think they're going to win. They beat the Chiefs in regular season. I don't think it'll happen again. But man, if you're a Bengals fan, you got to be so excited for at least the next 10 to 15 years.
0: Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, you know, is everybody's least favorite quarterback in the divisional round. He he didn't do much. And here he is uh, a game away from his second Super Bowl. He's, he's taken a team that's 6-0 and in its last six games against the Rams, on the road against the Rams. Um, he's got something going on, John, uh, that, that doesn't make him as bad as most people think he is.
3: Kyle Shanahan obviously thinks he's bad or he wouldn't have traded all that he did to get Trey Lance. And the better Garoppolo plays, the more they may get for him in a trade. What a team like New Orleans... Be interested in Jimmy G. What about the Steelers to replace Ben Roethlisberger? There'll be a market for all the veteran quarterbacks who are on the who are uh, going to be traded because the quarterback crop is not as good as it was, say, last year. The guy's a class act. You know, if you look at his record as a starter, it's good. But if you remember when he was in the Super Bowl the last time, Kyle Shanahan didn't want him throwing the ball. He wanted him to run the ball. But now. Everybody's really happy for him. What if he wins the Super Bowl? Yeah, I don't You can't think trade he him then.
0: If he wins two How games, can you can't you train, trade him.
3: That's right. You can't do that. And they beat the Rams twice this year. Just like the Bengals beat the Chiefs. And I'm going with Kansas City and Los Angeles. But, man, Jimmy G has sure gone out with style.
2: How about that performance against Green Bay? Defensively, they took away the short passing game. For Aaron Rodgers, they took away Devontae Adams and no one else around that offense stepped up. Rodgers didn't play well, and they win that game despite not scoring an offensive or defensive touchdown. It was all special teams.
3: Yeah, I keep waiting to see the special teams coach get fired by the Packers. (laughs) It hasn't happened yet. Maybe it will. That was one of the worst special teams performance in a playoff game I can remember, and they got exactly what they deserve. Isn't it amazing? Packers being seven and seven in the playoffs at Lambeau Field since I guess since Rodgers has been there, but to me it's just an amazing stat. And the 49ers play old-fashioned football. You know they like to get out in the mud and the blood, and, the, and then drink the beer. And i love half of their staffs from Houston. D'Amico Ryan's one of the most popular players there ever. We keep saying they need to interview him. They've interviewed three guys who've been first-time coordinators. D'Amico's a first-time coordinator, but so far they haven't done it. And if he can parlay a head coaching job out of this, more power to him. But they are a fun team to watch.
1: John, are we too easy on defensive coordinators at times? And I'm thinking about uh, the end of the Chiefs-Bills game, a couple of instances. The Chiefs letting Gabriel Davis wide open in the end zone, the way the Bills played it with 13 seconds. The end of the Bucks rams where I have no clue how you don't have a safety behind Cooper Cup and he gets behind the defense. Too often we go to, boy, these quarterbacks are amazing, and oftentimes we don't look at, well, there's a smarter way to play these quarterbacks and to play defense, and we're not seeing it at times from defensive coordinators in in the most pressure-packed moments.
3: Those are great points, Chad, like that zero blitz by Todd Bowles, who's known as one of the most creative blitzers in the NFL he picked a bad time to do it. Now, they're being defended by the head coaches. Oh, it was a, it was the execution. It wasn't the call. Uh, well, no. If you make a call like that and a couple of players can't figure it out, you shouldn't be making that call, especially in that situation. I thought it was one of the worst quick series by defensive staff and defensive players I've ever seen.
2: John, how about Matthew Stafford stepping up in a big moment? He gets traded after being on the terrible Detroit Lions franchise, um, traded out to L.A. They're all in with every move they've made over the last 12 to 15 months. And they get the quarterback dropped in there. And here's Matthew Stafford after Brady pulls the 27-3 to comeback. We've seen that before. They get back in it somehow to tie the game. And then Stafford, with the moment, delivers a strike down the middle of the field.
3: He's always been a class act. He never complained about playing with a team that was perennially the worst or among the worst in the NFL. And everybody's happy for him. He keeps his mouth shut, goes about his business. And on that forty-four-yard pass to to Cooper Cup, I believe he got hit directly because they were sending people up the middle and he stood in there through the pass and then got plastered. And I thought it was just a great play, a great game for him. No quarterback and no coach entered these playoffs under more pressure than Stafford and Sean McVay because McVay has traded all those number one picks, gone all in to win the Super Bowl this year. Stafford, of course, going with a new team, a chance to prove that what happened in Detroit wasn't his fault, and he's done it exactly the way he was supposed to do it. And I had seen at one point recently Sean McVay might, go into TV. I think they
2: had the wrong Sean. Yeah. yeah. Sean Payton. Uh, but I, I saw that too, that, that McVay has been sought at, uh, their th- TV networks are trying to throw a boatload of money because a lot of NFL teams aren't paying college dollars and McVeigh's certainly up there, but I mean, I don't know where he ranked. Payton was amongst the top three paid coaches in the NFL, but TV can pay him 17 to $20 million if they so choose. $10 million is about the cap for head coaches.
3: They can, and I think Sean McVay, of course, will get a big raise after this season. Just think, we've never had a team play a Super Bowl in its home stadium, and then the Bucs win, and now you got the Rams playing a championship game, and if they win, they play the Super Bowl in a home stadium. That's never happened either. Maybe this is becoming a trend, but I, I like the Rams. Uh, I think they're going to win. I don't think they're going to beat uh, the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. But, man, there's nothing not to like about the Rams. They're not flashy. Uh, they're not cocky. They don't do controversial stuff. They just try to win, and they went all in. And it's uh, they, they've gone all in like a, on a hand of poker, and they're going to walk away with a whole lot of money.
1: And there's a report out now, John, that there's some logistical issues with the Rams hosting the NFC Championship game, and then the Super Bowl happening two weeks after. Typically, the NFL takes over a stadium five weeks in advance, especially when that host team isn't playing home playoff games. Um, but they're gonna, there's going to be some parking concerns, because the NFL's now having to construct some things in the parking lots to get ready for the Super Bowl in two weeks. And I look at this LA Super Bowl, and it's just remarkably quiet about what's going on with it, what media access is going to look like. Um, There's obviously a lot of restrictions with COVID in in Los Angeles and the state of California. The NFL met about possibly moving it to Dallas. That's not happening. What are you hearing, John, about this Super Bowl and how things are going to go down?
3: Well, first of all, every city that has a Super Bowl, they have an alternative site. When that came out, they talked to the Cowboys. Well, they did that a long time ago. When the Super Bowls were here, they had alternate sites. And if you have a Super Bowl, you have to keep hotel rooms and everything available until the end of February. Now that it's been moved back, it might be through the 1st of March in case there's some kind of natural disaster that forces you to back it up. And there's no buzz. And I think one of the reasons there's not as much buzz as you would think, especially with the home team having a chance to play there, is a lot of people are so skeptical about going and partying and have fun because they got a lot of restrictions in California. And when I was out there I had to wear my mask everywhere, hotel, uh dinner, everywhere you went, all through the game in the press box, everybody wore their mask. And here the only time we have to wear it's when we're in the airport. So I think a lot of people are not just gonna go out and throw their money around and party big time. I don't know what the tickets are going for as far as scalping them, but if the Rams get in you know will their fan base let's face it that's not one of the wildest and craziest fan bases 49ers may have as many fans as they do on Sunday but will those prices Skyrocket if the Rams are in
0: what do you think of this more patient approach to all these coaching
3: openings uh have that we had o- nine open, have
2: taken have we had nine open at a time John like this
3: I can't remember, Jonathan, what the most there's ever been. I think one year they had 10 or 11. I can't, I can't remember. I think a lot of it has to do with the Rooney Rule, which has been modified. You have to interview two minority candidates, at least one in person. The other can be on Zoom. Most teams are interviewing more than two because they don't want to look like that they're only doing it for the Rooney Rule. It seems like more coaches are getting interviewed, than ever before and then some teams need gms and only one has hired their general manager joe shane at uh, the giants so i think once those gms get hired then we'll see some dominoes fall with the coaches because it's stupid if you hire your coach before your gm you're just asking for trouble yeah great
2: do we hear from brady or rogers first on their decision moving forward
3: uh Rogers mentioned before free agency, which is March 16th, and Brady didn't put a timetable on it. Uh, I think both of them want to keep playing. I think both of them will be back with the teams where they are now. If one of them were going to retire and I had to pick one, I'd say Brady, but he played great. And I can't imagine he wants to go out with a loss like that because he has told us a million times he wanted to play till he's 45. He wouldn't quit if he didn't suck. And he had a great season. And maybe his wife will talk him into it, but she knows what makes him happy to play football. And as far as Rodgers, you know, I don't know what to think about him anymore. But uh, I do know this: he'd be crazy to leave the Packers and, and that division that he dominates every year.
2: Yeah, I'm, I I tend to agree that he's taking his time, and he's going to decide one way or the other. To me, though. I, I buy it more than I have in years past. and just I'm just thinking through like it would be it would become very tiring for me if every year after the football season, I did the same thing, the same charade of you know what? I'm going to address everything. I'm gonna sit back and see where I am. I, I, I think if I if mentally I was coming back, I would just say I'm back, especially since we've we've had these discussions before, even that final year that he was in New England where he didn't look like the same quarterback that we've seen over the last two years where it was Giselle wants him at home, she doesn't want him taking the hits, is this the end of the road, or is he going to go play for someone else? That's always been the storyline. This isn't new, and to me it would become old to do this every single January and February.
3: I know Giselle told me to stay at home. i damn sure stay at home. I know.
2: <laughs> yeah, uh, any of their homes. That's, <laughs> that's, a, that's for sure. You
0: and Giselle and Carol.
2: Um, just to, uh, as we wrap up, John, we'll wrap up with something else from Sean Payton, who says he was asked how, how he wants to be remembered. And he said, we're not writing the obituary today. This isn't over. This is just a step. The dude's going to be back into coaching. It's just not going to be 2022. How would you feel if you're a Saints fan and what Sean Payton's leaving in the rubble, which is a terrible salary cap situation and a really bad quarterback contract with Taysom Hill?
3: I would be depressed as hell to lose one of the most coaches in the NFL, especially knowing he could end up with the Cowboys. No matter what they try to say, that's, that's not true. But uh, he has done a tremendous job there. And those are some big shoes to fill for Dennis Allen.
2: I looked up the coaching tree of the Cowboys staff back in 2005 that Sean Payton was hired off of to go to New Orleans. That's a good one. Uh, so uh, he was the passing game coordinator in 2005. Tony Sperano was the run game coordinator. Mike Zimmer was the defensive coordinator in Dallas that year. Anthony Lynn was the running backs coach. Todd Haley was the wide receivers coach. And Todd Bowles was the defensive backs
0: coach. Zimmer can end up back in that job if Quinn leaves. Yes.
3: Five head coaches were on Bill Parzell's staff that year.
0: That is – that's
2: crazy. I mean, there are all these different trees – but we forget about Sean Payton many times because he's been so good for so long and everyone's fixated on McVay and uh, the Shanahan's and everything else. And here's here's the next guy, and th- that's why he's linked to Dallas because he and Jerry Jones are friends.
3: He is, and Jerry tried to hire him once before. He couldn't pull it off. Uh, but you know what? If he wanted to invigorate his fan base because they are so down on the Cowboys and they're so down on Mike McCarthy – and rightfully so, if he wanted to light a fire under the fan base, hiring Sean Payton would do it like nothing else.
2: John, thank you as always. Always great catching up with you. Have a great week. Enjoy championship weekend, and we'll chat soon.
3: Jonathan Ball, Chad like thank you guys very much. I look forward to talking to you next week. Thank you, Thanks, John.
0: John. I've got a thought on these L.A. Super Bowl logistics when we come back. And also, got some uh, football news I've
1: got right. a Todd Haley Note for you. Oh. Since you just mentioned Todd Haley, That's right. Todd Haley's going to tie into our next topic.
2: This is Outkick 360. The USFL is back in April, and it's going to include a very unique rollout for opening night. Outkick 360 rolls on from 6th and Peabody in Nashville with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine.
1: Spring football we went through the television ratings and Fox having a broadcast on Saturday night. That is the most watched Saturday evening broadcast since 1994 Lillehammer Olympic, Winter Olympics with Nancy Kerrigan. The appetite for football never ceases. Um, we're going to find out more about that this spring with USFL coming back. And it is a unique rollout for an opening night. April 16th, all the games will take place in Birmingham at different venues. But the opening night game will be simulcast on Fox And NBC. This is the first time that two networks are simulcasting a football game since Super Bowl one 55 years ago, where I believe every network carried the game in that one. So Fox and NBC teaming up on this Fox Sports owns the USFL. Most of the games will be on Fox or FS one. There's going to be some select games on NBC, NBC Sports Network and Peacock as well. Uh, $10 admission for fans. Kids are free to go to the game. Um, It's going to be interesting, guys, to see the eight teams playing in this representing different parts of the country, but everyone playing in Birmingham, at least in year one, and this is another one of those experiments to see if you can get some momentum with eyeballs on football in the spring.
2: And it's going to be... So it's a three-month season. It's going to run from April until mid-June, and then they'll have their playoff. Eight teams... And the, the the coaches, Kevin Sumlin is coaching in Houston. They have Mike Riley in Jersey. Todd Haley, who Chad is is uh, tying in uh, with Tampa Bay. Philadelphia has Bart Andrus, who. Uh, oh my guy. Uh, yeah, Paul's guy. And then uh, Kirby Wilson and Skip Holtz are also head it's coaches. It's all names.
1: League. Skip Holtz is uh, coaching the Birmingham franchise. I mean, these are names people know uh, around football. Uh, that are coaching some of these teams. so I'm always interested because uh, I, I was having this thought today. I've, I've mentioned the the Saturday night with Fox and football versus the Winter Olympics. I find myself this morning actually looking forward to the Winter Olympics starting because it gives me something different sports-wise to watch at night during the week. And Then you start thinking about, well, when spring gets here, what's everyone going to be watching? These games will be on Saturday and Sunday. You know, They're going to split them up on both days. I'm very curious to see how this goes, but I like that it's starting with a bang on April 16th with two networks carrying that opening game. Well, the game. two
0: networks thing is big. There'll be a lot of curiosity. One thing that strikes me, obviously it's going to be super fan-friendly there, but it's in one place. So it kind of feels to me like almost, uh, it's an exaggeration, but a soundstage, right? It's yeah. a very much a TV It's a made-for-TV product. And so when, when a network puts together a made-for-TV product, it's usually... TV people know what they're doing. Um, and so I'm very curious to see it from, from that perspective. And look, they've got a lot of stuff to spin off of because we've seen startup leagues with some good ideas struggle economically and, and and whatnot. So what do they build off of with what we've seen? Two most recents that ran into the pandemic.
2: Yes, and and two the two most recents didn't have the backing financially of that of, what Fox is bringing to the table. Fox owns the league.
1: Fox so, is also being very smart from a cost standpoint, keeping it in one city to begin. Yep. But then you leave open the possibility of extending this. If the the New Jersey Generals, for instance, take off, then next year, maybe you play a game or two in New Jersey. Or you split. At, they, there's a north or and, somewhere. You north don't north go all south. in. You've got
2: a north and south, so you get have yeah, four teams in but each. But
1: you, you also start to dabble. Hey, we'll play one game in the city uh, in Houston in New Jersey, wherever these teams are located, see how it goes, then eventually expand, and then maybe you have your own home stadium in five years. Maybe it is a north-south split in year two or three, but starting this way to contain cost and to put
0: make it a television
1: product, I think, is a smart move. The key
0: to the whole thing, build on P.J. Walker. Develop yes. the yep. next P.J. Walker, but do, better, but do better than P.J. Walker.
2: Absolutely. We, we agree there. Coming up, there is something that the Nashville media collectively agrees on which is odd. We'll we'll get into that. Plus, there are two big things that we're each bringing to the table that we're certain of going into this weekend's NFL matchups. That's next on Outkick 360.